0: so we are in the book of first peter and peter has a lot to say about suffering you know living in the first century was a challenge for christians uh we have tremendous freedoms here we have the the right to vote the right to assemble the right to free speech Uh, we have all these rights and sometimes we feel like our rights are being taken away and maybe they are to a certain extent but if you can imagine living in rome in the first century um, you are not you did not have any of these rights. Uh, you were basically you had a few things, and basically Peter talks about that. You know, give due honor to the emperor, and things along those lines. But you didn't really have a lot. You didn't have a lot of say. One of the things the early church understood that I don't think the church today understands is suffering is part of being part of the church the community. Uh, it's just it just is. And so Peter talks a lot about suffering. And a lot of the suffering that peter writes about is to prepare his people the people that are that are reading his letter that are, the letter is being read to them to help them prepare for the oncoming suffering that is going to come it's not if it's going to come it's when is it going to come and so it was to prepare them beforehand and we're going to talk more about that but before we do that i just want to ask a question is why is there suffering in the world today and there's a number of different uh, Uh, points that we can talk about that I think are really important because I think we have to come to a place where we understand that we are living in a world that uh, where we suffer and bad things happen to good people and uh, there are bad people out there and so uh, there's a number of things that we can learn the first one is we suffer because we live in a broken world the world is beautiful it's it's awesome it's amazing it's you know there's so many beautiful things not just in nature but in the people that you see there's there's you see people do some amazing things for each other and it just it breaks your heart you just say this is the best a person could be a group of people could be but then you see awful things and so um, in our world we have plagues we have natural disasters we have disease we have uh, all these different things that we struggle with it's part of living in a fallen world and not only that, we, took, we looked at this last weekend, but just to remind you that be, if we were able to open up the curtain and see another dimension to, that's part of our world, which is the spiritual dimension, We would understand that we live in a world that where there's spiritual forces and i read this last week i just want to read it again so you understand that behind the argument behind the conflict behind the the struggle that you're having maybe with another flesh and blood human being is a spiritual force many times and so this is what paul says finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but what is it against rulers against authorities against the powers of this dark world against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm so paul is saying don't look at your neighbor, don't look at your boss, don't look at your kids, don't look at your spouse, don't look at your, the, the person you're having trouble with and say, they're the problem. Understand that there's forces working, now they're responsible for their behaviors as we are for ours. But understand that there are other forces, there are other things going on behind the scenes. And so we talked a little bit about that last weekend. The second reason we suffer is because we make dumb decisions, right? and you know this is where we we make that investment that we know we shouldn't make but we invest our money and we lose our retirement and it's not anything that we sinfully did but we just did something that wasn't very bright it wasn't very smart and we're paying the consequences Uh, let me give you another example you're driving down the road you're distracted And all of a sudden you get into an accident and maybe the accident is fatal for someone else it's not that you intended it wasn't that you were but you looked away for a moment something went wrong mechanically with the car different things happen in this world and it's just because sometimes we do dumb things and we reap the consequences of those and and you know this is part of life we make poor choices and uh, not only does it hurt us many times, but it hurts the people around us. There's no sin involved. It's just part of being in a fallen world and making poor judgments. Let me give you another one. We, we suffer because of the consequences of our sins. Sometimes we suffer because we're just flat-out sinners. If you're honest with yourself, you realize that you've said and done some things That if we were to play some of those right now on on this screen right here behind me you would be embarrassed you would say I can't believe I said that I can't believe I behaved that way I can't believe I acted that way well what's going on there you're acknowledging that there's a darkness within you there's a sin nature within you you don't have to teach children to uh, to misbehave or to disobey that comes natural and so we're born with that people are prone to greed, lust, anger, malice, evil uh, intentions. Um, sometimes they choose to harm others. There, we have seen examples. You don't have to look too far where there's incredible evil in this world. Evil that's set on fire by the pits of hell. And you say, how could it be? How could anyone be that evil? And the answer is because of the sin within us. Because of the sin within us so so if somebody has said well why would God even allow sin couldn't he have created a world and you know this is going back to Genesis three where God says to Adam and Eve he says in the day that you eat you will certainly die and you are gonna open up Pandora's box to a whole bunch of hurt and a whole bunch of suffering and uh, basically they decided to be like God and they chose to eat of the fruit and basically plunge the world into sin. The question is, why, why didn't God just prevent sin from happening in the first place? Now think about that for a minute. In any relationship that you have, which would you choose? Would you have somebody love you because they have to or because they want to? I think every one of us would say, I want people to love me because they want to, because they choose to, not because they have to. And so God gave us a free choice, just like he gave Adam and Eve a free choice in the garden. We can either choose to love God, to obey him, or we can choose to disobey God uh, and not to love him and suffer the consequences because of that. You see, God has given us a free will. He's given us choice so that we can choose him or not choose him. And that's why we have sin in this world. One of the reasons why we have sin in this world. Well, let me give you one last one. We suffer because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we suffer uh, because we follow Jesus. Um, and, and you know, the early church understood this. Uh, his disciples suffered, <laughs> the early church suffered, Christians around the world are suffering today, all because they are simply followers of Jesus Christ. I read in Christianity Today this morning, I was just reading the, the, this latest edition this month, where Russia is going to pretty much shut down uh, the teaching, they're they're looking at shutting down the teaching of religion and groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Baptists and that, and they're not going to allow that free expression anymore. And that all is because there's powers going on behind the scenes, but the the freedoms are going away. This is the way the uh, writer of Hebrews puts it, because if you belong to Jesus he won't let you be the way you are forever we talked about that a couple of weeks ago that you come as you are but you don't stay the same and so that's true with our kids right we want our kids to grow up we want them to develop we want them to mature to be a good parent we have to help them mature and sometimes that means we have to discipline them we have to don't think of discipline I'm not talking about getting out a switch or getting out a belt Discipline means that you are helping them make good choices and develop good patterns. And so sometimes you take things away. Sometimes you give a timeout. Sometimes you do different things like that. But this is the way the writer of Hebrews puts it. This is Hebrews 12, verse 5. Notice what the writer says. And you have completely forgotten the, the, this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son it says my son do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter how does a good dad interact with his children how does a good mom do it well they discipline them they seek to equip and encourage and correct them And sometimes it seems as though it's punishment, and maybe in in a way it is, but it's for our good. It's to develop us. It's to help us. It's to prevent us from going off the rails, right? And so many times that's what God is doing. God is seeking to purify us and uh, sometimes and, and here's the thing that the writer of Hebrews is saying you don't have this far off uninvolved dad you have a dad who's near to you a dad who's engaged with you a dad who cares for you and when you have that there will be times of moments of discipline All right, so what we want to do now is we want to look at our passage, and our passage is 1 Peter chapter 4. So all that to say, why is there suffering? Well, there's four kind of reasons to kind of give an idea of why there's suffering and kind of where, you know, how it kind of plays. It's kind of complex. Uh, But let's look at the passage for this weekend where Peter talks about discipline and he talks about suffering. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says this. Dear friends, do not be dis- surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though some strange wor- something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard to be righteous for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So what we want to do for the rest of our time is talk about four strong ways to face suffering. How should we face suffering? and and again peter's talked about this but we need to go there again because peter is trying to prepare his people for suffering and frankly i think that's why i chose this book because i think days of suffering and days of difficulty are are just going to continue to happen and we need to be prepared for those so let's look at what those are the first one peter says and they're they're from the text it's very clear he says don't be surprised don't be surprised by them now have you ever have you ever responded to trials tribulations and troubles with uh, why is this happening to me sometimes people say what did i do to tick god off why is god angry with me what is what is happening why is this happening to me if you've done that you've responded to trials in a surprise you've you responded to suffering by surprise and peter says don't be surprised Um, Peter basically says, when you respond that way, you're acting as though this is something you shouldn't expect. And Peter says, no, you should expect this. This is par for the course. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that you will suffer. And some people don't, just don't respond in surprise. You've met them. Some people respond, respond in anger. They say, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I, I've had it with God. I, I tried to love God. I tried to serve God. And he abandoned me in my time of need. Therefore, I'm done with God. I'm, I'm all done with him. Have you, have you met somebody like that? They say, I used to go to church. I used to believe in Jesus. But I'm not anymore. He let me down too many times. There was a time where I prayed and he let me down. Well, Peter's saying, they were surprised by suffering. He says, don't be surprised by it you see God will never destroy you but he will surprise you and it's not the good kind of surprises sometimes right and that's the thing we have to understand we must overcome surprise by understanding that we need to prepare for it we need to be ready it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when now let me give you an illustration so one of the things that a good coach will do in any sport, but I'll talk about basketball for a minute, is the coach will sit down and he'll say to his team, she'll say to her team, they'll say, okay, so this is the kind of, um, uh, this is the kind of defense they're gonna run. They're gonna have this player and this player likes to do this and they're gonna, they'll form a game plan, right? And say, and now the coach might even say at some point in the game, might call timeout and might say, okay, here's what's going to happen we are going to do this but then they're they every now and then and this is what they're probably going to do they're going to put up this press on you need to be ready for it because they're going to look like everything's normal and then all of a sudden they're going to put the clamps down you got to be ready for it because it's just going to come and you can't be surprised you have to react And then all of a sudden, the ball comes in, and there's a press. And the players are prepared because the coach said, be ready, be prepared. Don't be surprised, be prepared. And they do the right thing. That's what Peter's doing here. What Peter is doing here is saying, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And the amount of emotional energy, the amount of struggle and pain you put into this is wasted. Be ready because it's going to happen to you. Peter's talking to the first century Christians. And he's saying, if you think it's bad now, just wait. Jesus came in, he wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets. And then he basically says, and there's a day coming where you are going to see things so destructive and so hurtful and so painful that it makes me weep. I'm going to talk for a minute about grief. Sometimes we think that it's wrong for us to show emotion of grief. Uh, one of the healthiest things you can do as a Christian is talk to God about how you're feeling. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling sad. I'm grieving right now. I'm struggling maybe it's a loss that you're experiencing a, f- a friend or a family member or just a loss in something in your life that was significant and important and and sometimes we say well I don't feel like it's right for me to grieve it's it Christians kind of get weird about this whole grieving thing and isn't that exactly what our Lord did in the garden look what look at it says in Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm grieving. What is he doing? He's looking into the suffering that he's about to experience. He's grieving over suffering that's going to come, not just a physical suffering, there's a spiritual suffering. There's a separation that's going to come between he and his father. And he says this. Then he says, he, then he said to them, "My soul is overwhelmed and sorrow to the point of death. stay here and keep watch." Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground, he prayed, "My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will, but as you will." You see what's going on there jesus is basically acknowledging that suffering is part of this world that sin came into this world and suffering came as a partner of sin and that we're going to struggle with sin and and acknowledging it and and even grieving over it is absolutely healthy and okay and so it's okay to to not be up all the time and to say you know when somebody says hey how you doing (laughs) and you go well not really well right now and then they keep going well great to hear it they keep moving on it's like you know okay I'm sorry I asked you know it's kind of like one of those greetings we give but you know that's really the first thing is just just don't be surprised by it here's the second one don't behave badly don't behave badly so we've talked about this in the last couple weeks Uh, we've said you know, if, if you're suffering because you're being dumb, that's on you. That's not on God. That's not on anyone else other than you. C.H. C. Spurgeon said this, an ounce of sin will hurt you far more than 10 million tons of suffering. An ounce of sin will hurt you far more than 10 million tons of suffering. I don't know if most of us believe that. Because we have an enemy whispering in our ears saying, go ahead and do it, no one will know, it will not hurt anybody, it's a small thing, it's okay. We go along with it, don't we? How many of you, if you you were to be asked and you were to think about it, how many of you would say, you know, I was tempted and I gave into it and boy, I faced a lot of hurt because of that decision. I made some bad choices. How much pain have we not just brought into our lives, but the lives of those around us that we love? Sometimes we make these. And this is one of the things the enemy. The enemy basically says it'll only hurt you. Will only hurt you. It doesn't, though. It hurts others, right? It hurts the people around you that care about. We don't think that our sin will ever have major consequences for the people around us or for us, but it will you've heard the saying that says sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay absolutely true absolutely true well let me give you the third way to respond allow God to refine you and that's a lot of what our passage talks about basically what he says is that god wants to refine us god wants to use suffering to refine us you think about that any athlete that's worth their salt knows what it is to suffer in fact some uh like i ride a bike and i don't get into this whole thing but they have what they call a suffer fest in other words they try to do things that, where they really, 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 really suffer. And I'm not into that. I just, you know, I just want to ride my bike. I'm just not into the whole suffering thing. But if you want to grow as an athlete, you're going to have to go through suffering. That's why the coach makes you run lines and makes you swim laps and under a certain time where you got to do another and, you know, give me 10 and give me 20 and all those different things. But the Bible has a number of images it has the image of a refining fire it has the image of a coach and an athlete it has an image of uh, in Hebrews it has that in in John 15 it Jesus talks about the vine and the and the branches and he talks about the vine dresser cutting off some of the branches yet that's that's kind of a, a you know difficult and then he talks about parents and children the Bible talks about parents and children and this whole relationship of refining let me talk for a minute, and maybe I'll meddle a little bit as a parent to other parents. So whether you're in-house or you're joining online, uh, whether you're live or not alive, you're just listening to it. You're up at three in the morning, you can't sleep, and you're a parent because your kids are keeping you awake at night because they're not awake, they're asleep, but they're keeping you awake because of what they're doing while they are awake, right? And you, you're struggling. And, and I just want to say a few things to you. Um, as a parent your goal is to turn these kids into mature loving caring individuals and that then that starts out with a little baby that looks like all this baby could do is do good and beautiful things and then they begin to grow up but here's what will happen your your job is to turn these little children these little babies into children into young people into a responsible loving caring adults but they will accuse you of being unfair mean unloving and cruel and they will say some of the meanest things you've ever heard i still remember one of my kids who the year before he was able to go to school every day his brothers would get on the bus and they would, he would say why can't I go why can't I go why can't I go every day and we heard it we heard it we heard it so we're all excited because finally this is the year he gets to go to school so he gets ready to go and he doesn't want to go to school now his brothers come on come on get on the bus the bus is going to leave And we're pushing him, and finally he gets on the bus. And I remember, I remember. Many, many years ago, I still remember. He looked at the porch as Carol and I were standing there, and he says, I hate you both. Whoa! (laughs) By the way, that son became personally became a companion of the principal for the first week of school (laughs) they will they will say cruel and awful things things like i'm not coming to your funeral true story they didn't say it to me they said it to carol so (laughs) here's what i found as a parent you can go to two extremes and this is kind of a continuum and one is you go to a law stream and you basically say these are the rules you're in the military now you follow my rules and not to say you, you don't have rules but there's really no grace and it's like it's like living in a military, it's like being in the military. And uh, if you follow the rules, you're fine, but you can be strict parents. Now, what happens, what I find and happens with strict parents is their kids, the day they're able to walk out of the house, they leave and they never return. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that if you have rules minus a relationship, it leads to rebellion. Rules minus a relationship leads to rebellion. It's just true. The other side of the coin is this one. I see parents that want to be buddy parents. Hey, buddy, let's do everything together, buddy. Let's be buddies, buddy. And um, parent, you know, kids don't need buddies. They need parents. And sometimes you've got to say, listen, today you need to clean your room. Today you need to do this. Today you need to get your homework done. I'm your parent. I'm not your buddy right now. And, and, and so here's what I think thoughtful pairing, parenting brings. And the reason I'm bringing all this in is, is basically what Peter's saying is that God being a good parent will discipline us. He will allow us to go through suffering. He will allow us to go through trials because he's doing something bigger and better in our lives than we maybe can see or even imagine. And this is what, it, this is what I think that we... Here's what I think good parenting entails. Majoring on the majors, clear communication, setting reasonable boundaries and deadlines, giving more and more freedoms as your kids grow up. In other words you're allowing them to have more freedom and less rules until they break that and then you have to draw that freedom away you give freedom away if they can handle it if they can't you pull it back and then uh you're willing to take that freedom back if it's abused here's the thing your kids need to know that you love them unwaveringly I mean there's they need to wake up every day and not wonder whether you love them and that there's nothing in that the, they can do in their lives that will ever bring them to believe that you've rejected them nothing you have to say I there'll and you have to sometimes say that to your children you have to say There is nothing that you will ever do that will change the fact that I love you. Now, I may be disappointed in you, and I may be discouraged by you, but I'm never going to stop loving you, no matter what you do, ever. They need to know. The kids need to know one thing. They need to know that their parent, if it's a single parent or parents, that there's at least one or two people on this planet that will never give up on them. That will never stop loving them they need to know that you may be disappointed with them but you you never will reject them they should never wonder if you love them their, your love for them should be bedrocked in their heart and let me give you one last piece of advice I've heard parents say through the years well, we're going to let our kids decide spiritually whether they believe in God or whether they're going to be Christian or not. Okay, that's a really bad idea. Uh, you don't do it in other areas. You don't decide whether they're going to decide whether good hygiene is important, where they should brush their teeth or take a bath or take a shower or go to bed. Uh, you know, in a decent hour or do their homework or go to school, you make all those decisions, why would you leave the one decision which is an eternal decision to them to make? Think about this. If If you left it up to your kids to whether they should brush their teeth or not or take a bath or go to bed at a decent hour, what do you think they would do? You know what they would do. That's why you tell them. That's why you argue with them. That's why you fight with them. Because you know they have to have these patterns if they're going to be successful and grow up to be good adults. Well, why would you leave this area open? It's not a smart idea. Um, So let's get back to the whole refining process because that's really what parenting is. It's helping your kids to be refined into adults and that's essentially what peter's saying so peter basically says that there's this refiner's fire that god uses this refiner's fire to make us into what god desires us to be and sometimes that's a hard thing you know pruning vines if you're the vine and you're the one that's getting pruned off that doesn't feel good either to the vine or to the one being pruned off right but here's the thing The fire separates the true metal from the dross. Trials will root out the worthless things, many of which we're relying upon. So here's what I'm talking about. Many of us, if we're honest, we have what we call, what I would call functional idols. These are things that we rely on uh, rather than God. Um, Peter says this, uh, notice what he says. This is 1 Peter. We talked about this a while ago. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so the proven genuine, genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Peter Peter's basically saying sometimes trials come because God wants to refine you. He wants to weed out these functional idols now what is a functional idol a functional idol is the pursuit of pleasure the pursuit of health the pursuit of that perfect relationship the pursuit of family the pursuit of success now these there's nothing wrong with any of these things but what happens is we take these good things and we make them God things we take these in and, and um, We take these things that God has given to us to enjoy, and we make them the thing that makes our life tick. In other words, we say, there's a perfect relationship out there, and if I can get in this perfect relationship with this person, then my life will be complete, only to find out there are no perfect relationships, and this person that you are thinking is going to fix your life or make your life complete can't make your life complete because they're not God, and they don't really care to do it because they're kind of selfish and sinful anyway. And so your world begins to crumble. Or you say, I'm going to have this perfect family only to see that your kids grow up and they mature and they say things when they get on the bus like, I hate you. And things like that and you go okay so what am i going to do now or you say i'm going to be successful in business and you are successful in business you feel good about yourself look at what you're getting you're getting satisfaction you're getting security you're getting uh significance through all of that and then all of a sudden you you get called into the the office and the boss says we're going to lay off and you're done and you go well who am i who am i then you see these are functional idols we've made these good things god things working hard is good having a career is good having a family is good having relationships is good but when we take those and we elevate them uh, they're going to get pruned out and many times they get pruned out during times of trials and suffering CH Spurgeon again says I owe more to the fire and the hammer and to the file than to anything else in my lord's workshop in other words he's basically saying essentially what peter's saying he's saying many times what trials do is it knocks off those things that you're relying on more than god and god loves putting you in a position where you have to look to him where you say god you are going to have to help me here because i need help and there's nobody on earth that can help me other than you it's a hard place to be and none of us wants to be there but essentially that's what he's saying see when you find your functional idols burning up you'll find your life beginning to crumble because you have built it on inferior things and I think that's the thing that Peter is saying is sometimes you have to go through these trials to find out what are these inferior things that you're relying on you're trusting in that are bound to fail you you'll find them out quick when they're threatened or when they're taken away your life will fall apart and sometimes it even gets to the point where you wake up and you say i don't even know why i have a reason to live today you know the suicide rate seems to be going up why is that because people have these functional idols have been laid to the wayside and now they say i don't even have a reason to live let me give you one last instruction from our passage remember that jesus joins us the amazing thing about scripture it doesn't say you will never suffer in fact peter says i want you not to be surprised by suffering but i want you to expect it i want you to be ready when they throw that full court press on i want you to be ready for it when you see it don't be surprised respond react be ready for it but here's the good thing Jesus says in the midst of your suffering you'll see me you'll meet me I'll be there I I won't leave you alone I won't leave you by the side of the road I won't be this distant dad I'm an engaged dad so expect to see me expect to find me in the darkness of those times in your life where you need help and of course we always read this verse at funerals but it's really for the living and not for the dead Psalm 23 verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is when my life gets so dark that I don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn, I know that you're in the darkness with me and not only are you there, but you understand what I'm going through because you know what suffering is remember the garden and that's the God we serve he says you will suffer it's part of this world there's another world coming there won't be suffering there will be no more crying no more pain no more suffering but that isn't here and that isn't now And Peter basically is saying to his readers and to us today be ready, don't be surprised by it, be expecting it. But be ready to respond in a right way and understand what God can do through this for you. And look for him in the darkness because you'll find him. When you're in the darkness, you say, Jesus, and he says, Here I am. He's there. You're not alone. When you look for him, you'll find him in your darkness. And, and by the way, don't believe all this gobbledygook that you look within yourself. There's nothing within there. Look to Jesus, look to God. Yes, look to the spirit of God within you, but don't try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Look to God. He says, when you go through that dark time, You're not going through that dark time alone I'll be right there with you amen let's pray so father thank you for bringing us your word this morning thank you for the way you love us the way you care for us thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives and as Peter has encouraged us help us to be ready for suffering not to be surprised by it not to be angered by it but to expect it and to be ready to respond in appropriate ways father we need you more than we can ever and and as peter was warning his first century audience as the suffering and the persecution of rome was going to grow and grow and grow uh, he was preparing his readers his people for days of suffering and days of pain and days of trouble may we be ready may we respond in powerful ways in ways of trust and ways of faith in uh, ways of uh, just trusting that you have a plan and a purpose and father when life gets really dark and we get discouraged and uh, we go through that valley of the shadow of death father may we look for you and thank you that we will find you and for the encouragement you give us we need you father today and tomorrow this week this year and we've needed you all our lives May we really understand and know that and may it make a difference as we reach out to you for help. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.